The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic partner and founding partner of the Olympic Channel, inspiring you to chase your dream. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the Olympic Channel podcast. The world has changed. Vast swathes of the global population have been instructed to stay at home in order to combat the global pandemic of the coronavirus. That includes athletes. The Olympics have been rescheduled to a date beyond 2020, but no later than summer 2021. Just a few days ago, the last two qualification tournaments for karate were cancelled. Sakura Kokume was ranked fifth in the world rankings and the Federation confirmed she had qualified for the Olympics. She was elated. It's been a long and difficult road for the 27-year-old. So we started her story right at the very beginning. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel podcast. Six-time Pan American champion, eight times USA national champion. Sakura Kokumai is a karate don. It's really great to 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 finally see you and speak to you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Becoming a member of any national team and pretty much any sport, you've got to be pretty good. Uh, in order to be like in the national team, and then at fourteen, that's pretty young as well. Like that's uh, that must have been a nice day. Yeah, it was. It was. An, I still remember it. I still remember the the funny thing is I didn't know that I competed at team trials. I think that's a funny thing. <laughs> um, I would go to a U.S. national championships thinking that it was just another competition and. Um, I won my discipline, uh, which I, 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 my discipline is kata. At that time, I won in, in kata and also kumite, which is another discipline. So, um, you know, after I won nationals, a lot of people have been congratulating me nonstop. And, you know, at, at a certain point, I had to stop myself and ask them, okay, thank you, but, like, what's what's so exciting? <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> and then I think one of my sensei um, is a term we use as an instructor in karate. My sensei um, told me that it's like, hey, you made the U.S. team. Like you get to, you're on the national team. And I'd be like, okay, but what does that mean? Like, <laughs> like what is like, yay, yes, but like now, now what? And um, <laughs> sensei will tell me that you, know, you get to go to junior Pan American championships. And I'm like, yay. Where is that at? So it kind of started off from there, um, but I still remember it to this day. It was the most amazing experience, just being able to be around my be around my teammates, which I still stay in touch with, um, and some of them are actually still on the team. So from it was in Ecuador, I believe, and I still remember every single moment of it from being with friends and. Um, competing on, uh, you know, in the, on stage, in the ring, I guess. Um, and yeah, and after that, every year I wanted to experience the same thing. I think let's, we should make the distinction between kumite and kata then. So kumite is the head-to-head fighting. It's the kind of karate kid one that people may have seen in the movies. And then, and then kata is your, um, is your discipline. People are judged on speed, strength, focus, 
breathing, balance and rhythm. And I've read elsewhere that you've co- you've described it as figure skating without music. I'd also say it's without ice. Without, <laughs> without a, ice too, without everything. Yeah, I mean, what you just said describes perfectly. That makes the most, you know, kata is, kata is, like, to me, it's just, like, a form of art. It's something that I express myself through. Um, it's, it's, a, it's really, kata is a combination of really punches, kicks, blocks. Um, it's definitely more aggressive than um, figure skating. It looks more intense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we kind of have to have this serious face the entire time, and you will never see me smiling in the ring ever. Um, <laughs> even after you, you know, after we finish our performance, we still have to have this stern look on our face, right? Um, so definitely, um, I am a different person once I walk in the ring. Um, but I always liked performing and practicing kata because you know it, it doesn't we we all perform the same choreography as we say we all perform the same kata but because we're all shaped we're all different right like I'm kind of smaller in size some athletes are taller some athletes are more muscular bigger bigger but um, you kind of have to find your own way to ex perform that particular kata and I think that's a beautiful thing because it shows personality it shows your strength um and it's always something that that I I guess I like doing it's just repetition really but uh, there's something therapeutic about it for me that I get to just focus on one thing and just lose myself in it I guess Sakura is about four foot nine. That's around 144 centimeters. But despite being quite small, the intensity in her performance is fierce. That ferocity saw her gain some real success very early on in her career. That was the most biggest, um, one of the first and biggest accomplishments I I had in you know karate. Um, at the time, like I said, I was in second year of college. I was in Kyoto prefecture in Japan. I was in Doshisha University. Currently right now is one of the most dominant karate schools in Japan. It's just getting bigger and bigger and it's it surprises all of us because it was never like that when we were there. Um, but anyways, um, second year of college and compared to when I was 14, a lot of things have changed. I mean, I went into school there because I wanted to train, um, but I also wanted to, like my parents also always pushed me um, being in school and stay focused in the academic world. So um, like I said, second year, right? Like first year freshman in college, I just remember just training. All I did was karate and walk into class. Really, that was the only thing I did. I, I had a really small apartment. Um, I would walk to school, go to class. In between classes, I would go to the karate gym that we had in school and trained just by myself, um, along with all my teammates. But I remember staying in after everybody left, and I just kept training because that was the only thing I did. Um, and the second year, same thing. I just kept training. I eat, I ate, and I went to class. And that's the only thing I did really the only thing I did and 
um, I trained with um, one of the best, uh, my sensei. He kind of passed away five years ago, but he, I trained with him. I trained with a world champion, Rika Usami, who won gold that year in 2012. So my world was just about karate. And when I won bronze, it was something that I honestly didn't expect. I was just doing it. I was just training. I was just competing. That was that moment when I realized... I I was like wow I I'm I'm one of them like I'm I'm part of this. <laughs> so in between all this, as you're studying, then your sensei passes away uh, in 2015. Is that? Yeah, I think it's five years ago almost. How did you deal with 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 that and what happened there? Yeah, I mean it was very difficult. Um, so just to kind of geographically, for my undergrad, I was in Kyoto, which is more south of Japan. For my masters, I moved to Tokyo, so I went kind of more up north. Um, my sensei, um, lo he lived more towards Kyoto, so he was more in the south side of Japan, um, called Totori. He passed away when I moved to Tokyo, when I moved further away. So, and I just started my master's degree, so it was a big change with everything. Um, but I was very fortunate that I kind of trained with them till the last minute. Like, I was, I was in the dojo, and he was there. And as soon as I finished training, my little mini camp that I always do, when I was Going back to Tokyo, he, from the dojo, he went to the hospital. So he spent his last time training and teaching um, in the dojo. Yeah, and I was very fortunate that I spent time with him. Like, when I, when, as I was about to go back to Tokyo, I got a call saying that you might want to make a U-turn back. So it was like this thing where... You know, I was training. I didn't know. The thing is, he didn't tell me. You know, he only told people that was close to him. So, and he had a pancreatic cancer, so it was really quick. Um, so he, you know, when I was training with him the last, very last time, he would kind of, <laughs> he would tell me things that he taught me when I started working with him. So that was around age 16. He would kind of really go back to zero and tell me all these things. And at the time, because I didn't know in my head, I was like, damn, I, I can't get my basics right. <laughs> like My sensei was telling me all these simple, simplest things that he taught me before. And because I didn't know, as I was training, I was like, damn it. Like, have I really gotten that bad? Or like, is this something that... <laughs> but you know now that I look back I think he was just teaching kind of um going teaching his ways of karate just reminding me what he taught me you know because I'm pretty sure he knew you know so he kind of went through all his teachings and kind of um basically skimmed through all his you know karate he kind of left leaving his ways of karate it's, it sounds a little bit cheesy but it's you know he kind of you know taught me how to train that's why i'm still able to do what i'm doing even if it's not here that's what i you know told myself and um that's how 
that's what it got me through, you know, these five years, even he's not physically here, but he taught me the how, and because it's the way, it's, it's just, you just keep working on it, and I guess it worked. I was worried, you know, honestly, I was really, um, there was a time where I had to, to ask myself, okay, like, what do I do? I don't have an instructor. I don't have a sensei. I don't have a coach that I can go back to. You know, of course, of course, there were that, those times, and I still have those moments. But what can you do? You know, um, I still have to compete. I still had to. I still wanted to compete. I still wanted to do well. And there wasn't a time for me to really just stop and give up. So I realized that I just needed to be creative. I just needed to reach out to the people that I wanted to reach out to, to get feedback and yeah. Hmm. I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> I think I did all right. <laughs> in August 2016, karate was confirmed a spot at the Olympics in Tokyo. This was big. Once Sakura realized she could go, nothing was going to stop her from qualifying. For the Olympic Games. That moment changed my life for sure. I always watch the Olympics. I always follow athletes. I always, you know, it's something that excites me every four years. You know, either whether that's Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics. Um, and when they announced it, I was in Japan, and I understood how the capacity, how big it is for karate to be a part of the games. But at the same time, we tried so many times, right, to get into the games, and we didn't. So when they announced it, I was like, okay, it's in. Is it? Really? Was, like, the thought process. <laughs> I was like, you sure? <laughs> like, are we sure it's in? Are we sure both disciplines are in, you know? Is, is it kata and kumite? Because I'm a kata athlete, and before they pushed only kumite, if I remember correctly. So in my head, it was like, it's Kata in there? Are we sure Kata's in there? Like, is it really in? Was my thought process. And for a minute, I mean, it took a while for me for it to actually sink in, to understand how big this is, to understand karate being part of the Olympics, you know, and for athletes training for the games and potentially being a part of it. That entire process took time for me personally. I didn't question myself. Like I, I was gonna train for it. I wanted to go to the Olympics. I wanted to win a medal at the Olympics. I wanted to be a part of it. There was no question, you know, with that. But it, to be honest, it took a little bit of time for me to understand what that meant. <laughs> the two-year qualifying process with more than twenty com competitions. You rank fifth in the world in Qatar, and. That means you're in. You go in the Olympics. Like that that must have been a bit of a sweet moment. And that happened literally a few a few days ago, didn't it? Can you just describe that moment? I mean, what a crazy two it was a, it was crazy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It was it was just so intense. Um like you said, two year process of competitions, more than twenty events around the world not not locally it's all international so my life was really i was living out of a suitcase um just traveling and competing 
in all these different countries, I saw more of my karate friends more than I saw people at home. Um, you know, we would be in Paris one week and we'll say, all right, see you in Dubai in a week and a half. You know, I'll see you in two weeks was a conversation that we would all have. Um, but even through the results, I can, I, I know that I grew as an athlete and also as a person, you know, um, because even results-wise, two years ago, I was losing first and second round consecutively for the five tournaments. Like, I was, from there, you know, 2019, I think I did four to five bronze medal match. So from losing, you know, like nonstop to getting myself to the medal round, right? Being able to step on that final stage and performing in front of everybody to... 2020 was the beginning of the year. The first chunk of the qualifier was great because I made two finals. You know, I came back, I got myself to the final round to fight for the gold. So to me, of course, obviously, when they told me that I qualified, that's a, I had no words. I was just, that process, to me, that came out, you know. I was happy that I qualified. I was excited. But at the same time, I think a lot of the emotions that came throughout the process of those two years, that just came out. Because <laughs> it was, you know, I had to overcome a lot of, you know, difficulties, whether that's training, whether that's traveling, whether that's performing the way I wanted to perform. I think all of that got to me when they announced it and I still get emotional you know about it so I'm glad that I pushed myself mentally physically those two years you know there were times where I really just wanted to not do karate um but now I'm really glad that I kind of pushed my limit like mentally physically those two years because now I can say that I'm going <laughs> you know that to me is the greatest feeling ever, and it's something that I never dreamt about as a kid. So now that it's a reality, now that now karate's in the games, and I'm going. That's that's a crazy feeling to have. <laughs> what is your current living situation? Do you have a home? <laughs> Where do you call home? Now I'm now I'm in California with a lovely lovely family. Um, who's been so generous and kind to me. They opened their room to me three years ago and they had an extra bedroom, so now I'm here. Um, and because I'm here, I'm able to do this, you know? Um, when they announced it, I basically quit my job to come out to figure out how I can do this, whether I can, how and, you know, where. It was all the, lots of questions, right? Hundreds of questions to be answered. Um, but, you know, I'm here now. It's a place I can call home. Um, obviously, going through this journey, I would meet people who, you know, who gets to, who has their own place, especially people my age, right? Um, who has whether I know that my situation is different compared to other people. Um, I can compare myself to so many things, right? People who have who have their home in the sense that they didn't have to move out with a suitcase and, <laughs> right, they have, they had, I think that it said, like, no car. And I, yes, I do not have a car, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, 
you know, you find your way. I do have friends that who kind of have that environment set up already. And from there, they had to figure out how to train. From there, they had to figure out where to go to and um, how to prepare for the, for, for the qualification and the Olympics. Um, to me, I kind of had to just start from like really scratch from zero because I did have to, you know, pack everything and move out here. I did have to figure out this no coach situation. I did have to figure out everything. Um, but, you know, from all these travels, I realized that every athlete have has their own struggles and challenges and we might have a different setup but we all struggle the same thing of trying to find the perfect place to train and trying to stay consistent while we're traveling those things are the same so over the years i just learned to not try not to compare myself with other athletes um, because once I do, then I know that my situation is a little tad different than everybody else's. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, lots of sacrifices for sure. And I know that I'm not going to be here forever, you know, like because this is only a short-term thing. This is only I'm here to prepare for the games and compete in it. So... That I know, and from here it's like the unknown. The world sporting calendar is on hold. Large gatherings have all but stopped. For Sakura, it was a scramble to get back to the place she calls home. For karate, like you said, we had two, two years and 20-something tournaments. Um, the only thing that was cancelled for us was the last two events. The last two qualifiers were cancelled for us, um, and they decided to keep the recent competition for the qualifier, and that's why they announced the first phase of athletes who competed. Throughout this process, I was still in Europe, um, and... While I was in Europe, I made the decision to stay because at that time, the last qualifier was not cancelled. So basically, I was stuck in Austria and I was and I was like, oh, can I go to Morocco? Which was the last event. Can I go to Morocco? Should I go to Morocco? Can I go back to the US? If so, what will happen? Can I go back to Japan? which is safer like what do i do <laughs> was the daily question that i asked myself um when i was there and while i was in austria they canceled all the events i bought a ticket back here in la and i just had to wait because throughout this waiting process the federation was figuring out whether to replace the qualifier cancel the qualifier you know it was a long two weeks and the thing is, <laughs> those two weeks as athletes, we didn't know what was going to happen, right? Along with all the other sports. In terms of points, I knew that I was in. I knew that I, I did the calculation so many times and I'm like, okay, even if they canceled this, I'm still here. I will be okay, was what I, I was telling myself. But the thing is, it was unknown. It wasn't official. So... My friends, who was also in that ranking spot, we were texting each other almost every day and saying, we want to celebrate, but we can't because it's not official. 
So it was just a weird two weeks that we were in where, you know, anything can happen. They might change the qualification system. They might change certain things. So this waiting part was very difficult. Um, but since they announced it a couple of days ago, that's where I was able to finally mentally relax for a little bit, knowing that I qualified for the games. But even after that, where I'm, we can't go anywhere, right? A lot of um, events have been canceled. A lot of, I had this little trip that I planned, but that had it to be postponed. I went from traveling nonstop two years out of a suitcase to kind of being forced to being in one 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 place, and not even one city, but one locate like at a home, you know. So <laughs> it was it's definitely um, adjustments, but. You know, like I said, maybe it's like to me, I, I'm seeing it as now I get to rest my body, right? Now I'm forced to. Now I get to mentally, well, physically get some rest, um, get the recovery that I needed because those two to three years is really physically been nonstop. So I'm telling myself to enjoy being in one place, enjoy not packing every week. Um, and in terms of training, thank goodness karate is a sport where you can train anywhere. I already have a setup in a garage. I already have mats. I already I already have like weights. I have everything that I need to train anywhere because that's been my life. So just just trying to think about the positive because there's so many uncertainties and the negative things in, out in the news and it's it's what it is. You can't run away from it. But I'm lucky that I don't need a swimming pool. I don't need bigger equipments, you know. So it's it's such a crazy time and yes. I don't know. <laughs> so many so many things <laughs> happening <laughs> in twenty twenty. <laughs> Karate as well. It won't be at the twenty twenty four games in Paris. Like Tokyo, it really is, for you personally, maybe not for karate, but for you personally, it really is your one shot at, at, the, at the Olympics. I think that's what I spent time these past couple of days thinking about it too, you know. Going into it, I realized that it was a one shot um, thing. And it's that's the same with all Olympics and all athletes too. We, we all treat it as if it's this is the once you know one shot thing but for us karate um we don't have 2024 it's only 2020 and for me this olympics holds so many emo like meanings because you know my life has been about going back and forth between hawaii and japan and that was for karate to be honest i just love the sport and I decided to go to school in Japan because I wanted to work on my craft. I wanted to be better, you know, and suddenly they announced karate being up in the games. And, you know, I m made a decision to change my life and to train for it. And I went through these crazy few years to qualify and I made it. And then you're put into a position where 
the news is questioning whether it's gonna happen or not you know so my mind is like okay it it's <laughs> sakura breathe <laughs> it's you know <laughs> i'm sure it will be olympics i think everybody will remember you know because of all these crazy things that we all went through sports is something that you know um brings us together it doesn't matter where you're from and but i believe this particular olympics itself will mean a lot to everybody and for me personally because it's karate because it's going to be in tokyo that will add another layer of um, emotional excitement because in a way i get to go back to japan to compete I read a great quote that's clearly written by you and they've just copied and pasted it, I think. Sorry, Team USA, if this is not true. But it says, never, 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 in caps, give up. There will be times where you just want to give up, but hard work always pays off. Just stay focused, surround yourself with good people and the result will naturally come to you. I guess now more than ever is a time to just not give up. It's so simple, yeah. Never give up. And it, it's a, but there's so many <laughs> you need a lot of mental strength and mental strength to really not give up. I don't know, it's the most simple words words, but it has so much meanings to it. That mentality has really gotten me through these years of all the struggles and sacrifices, you know. It's easy to give up. It's easy to be like, okay, it didn't work my way. Oh, well, you know, it's so easy to do that and find an ex not an excuse, but it's always easy to do that, you know. But to me, if I did... If I, I, I need karate. Like, if I say, I give up, I can't do it, and just not do anything, then I wouldn't be me. Like, karate is what makes me me, and I think that, you know, was the reason why I couldn't give up. Like, it was something, it was my life, it was something I needed. So, no matter what the like situation, I always told myself to not give up, and the people are something that kind of held me together, you know. It's that never give up mentality. That is, I think, embedded in our martial art too. That's embedded in our sport, that spirit of not giving up, the spirit of trying again, trying again, and trying again. That spirit itself is part of karate. That's what we've been told growing up as a kid, training in the dojo. So that has really helped us helped me throughout my journey and it is helping me now you know in this situation don't give up you're you're stuck in one place we don't know what will happen but what can you do you still got to train you still have to you'll still have people thank goodness we have phones and technology i reach out to more people now you know, you just you you just got to keep moving forward. That's what you got to do. No matter how hard things are, you the more you put time and effort into it, I know that 
once things clears up, like opportunities will show. Like that's one thing I really truly believe in. So it makes me want to train more. You know, it makes, and I think that's the beautiful thing. Beautiful thing about sport. Like you just have to keep doing it. You just have to, you know, when the time comes, you want to be prepared. Now I'm I'm trying to enjoy it. You know, now I have stacks of books I haven't read. Now I'm going through my photos that I haven't touched for years. Like I'm just doing things that I didn't get to do now. So Sakura, I, I feel so privileged to have spoken to you, especially at this time, and have shared such a like an awesome bit of your journey there. So it's just been so much fun, and uh, thank you so much for uh, for sharing. No, thank you. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking to you. You know, it's like it's um, it's 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 it was nice. It was exciting for sure. Olympic Channel Podcast. Big thanks to Sakura. Give her a follow on Instagram immediately. She is Sakura Kokomai Karate. I'm at Eddie Knowles with a nine and E. Give Olympic Channel follow too. We are just at Olympic Channel across all socials. We have been doing live workouts on Instagram with the shirtless Tongan flag bearer and two-time Olympian Peter Tao Fatafoa. And we had him on the podcast a while back. It was uh, 20 years and 20 years of wanting to become the Olympian. And that that moment was was, I would describe as my greatest my greatest moment that I've ever experienced. People ask me about the opening ceremony at the Rio Olympics and it, it was fantastic, but nothing comes close to the moment that I, that I qualified for the, you know, for, to become the, uh, a summer Olympian. Go and check that one out. He is Mr. Positivity for sure. Okay, give the podcast a five-star rating on the podcast app or whatever it is you're using. Your rating is important. So go ahead and do it if you haven't already. Give us a subscribe. The podcast comes out every single Wednesday. That is it for now, though. See you very soon. Think like an Olympian.